0: Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Let's stand and we're going to go to the word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 1. I love Christmas time. I love to preach. The word of the Lord, especially at Christmas time. Matthew 1.18. Again, all of our guests, we're so glad you're here. And thank you for coming to celebrate Jesus with us today. Matthew 118, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, or as husband and wife, she was found. With child of the Holy Spirit, Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example or to embarrass or humiliate her, he didn't know what was going on, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she brought forth a son. And she will bring forth a son. And you, everybody say you. You shall call his name Jesus. That's your special assignment, Joseph. You're going to call him Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, by the way, saying... Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Would you say that with me? God with us. Turn to somebody and say, God with us. Yeah. 24, Joseph being aroused from his sleep did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, took to him his wife. He did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And then he did exactly what the angel empowered, commissioned, and told him to do. He called his name Jesus. I present this message today at Christmas time from the word of the Lord simply entitled God with us. And everybody's going to help me preach by saying amen at least one time. Maybe seated. So nice to have our Bible college, Christian college students and all college students home for holidays. Welcome back to your home church. Let's give them all a welcome. We're glad they're here. So would you agree with me that if an angel showed up, that would be sort of unusual? That would be pretty special, even if it was in a dream. That's an event. And Joseph was perplexed. And his amazement and perplexity is understandable. So in a nutshell, let me summarize what the angel said to Joseph. He said, don't worry. Mary has not been unfaithful to you. She has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. This has never happened before. Joseph, you're... You're an insider. You're, 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 we're cluing you in. You're a part of this drama, this unfolding story. So the angel said, follow through on your plans. You've got plans. You know, I, got, I get it. you got plans. You know, you got the date and, you know, the party and the reception and the honeymoon and all that. Yeah, we, it's go ahead, follow through. She's going to give birth to a son. And now, Joseph, I'm giving you... A special assignment in this process. You're involved here. I want you to announce his name. Everybody said, Wow. wow. Say that again backwards. Wow. <laughs> and then Matthew adds a postscript to this encounter. You see, Matthew, his audience in his gospel is primarily Jewish. And so Matthew validates everything with a prophetic quote from the Old Testament. And so Matthew reaches back into Isaiah 714 to affirm that this has been in God's mind for, well, since the foundation of the world, actually. Isaiah's prophecy about 800 years old. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, what does it mean? God with us. us. I want to just say that slowly again. Ready? God with us. I want you to turn around and look at somebody and tell them, God with us. Do it again and go like this. When you say us, go like this. Us. God with us. Now, everybody that did not do this, would you stand up right now? And This is a participation church. Could I say it this way? God is here for us. Do you know what it's like to be there for someone? Have you ever been there for someone? Or has someone ever been there for you? Um, I was raised by the greatest parents in the world. And if I wasn't awesome, I should be awesome because they were awesome. And I am awesome. (laughs) And I want, you know, I'm just... If you're a guest, I'm sorry. That sounds egotistical. If you're here every Sunday, you know. So I got a picture of my mom and dad, and I chose this picture. Oh. My mom's been gone uh, 10 years, and dad, almost 26, almost 28 years. I can't believe it. And I look at him, it's just like yesterday. That's my sweet parents. And, you know, I have to say, in this broken family world, our family was not broken, and my parents were there. Is it okay to have a, a good testimony? <laughs> they were there. And, uh, you know, I was raised in a conservative home. Uh, my dad never encouraged me in sports, but I was pretty good, wasn't I, Pam? Pam. That's my older sister. That's right. I was pretty good. I never got to play organized sports because my dad was worried that I would become rich and famous. So he saved me from a life of fame and fortune. And my friends were all playing football and hockey, and, and I played hockey every day from November to March. Uh, playground had a rink. Our church had a rink on our church parking lot. We had lights and a warming house and a, and a, this doesn't mean anything to you people, but we had a fire hydrant. We could flood the rink and make it smooth and, and there, I'm telling you, there wasn't a day I wasn't up at the rink playing hockey, playing football, every, in the fall it's football, in the summer it's baseball, set up our bikes for home run fences. My dad, he, he never came and watched me play one time. I was bitter. However, when I was in Bible college, where he was the vice president, uh, we had a hockey tournament. And it happened to fall on my birthday, my 21st birthday. And I was, in, I was thinking about marrying. At that time, she wasn't the queen. She was the princess. She didn't become the queen till later. But so my my. My girlfriend was there, and I look up in the pre-skate warm-up. My mom and dad are in the audience. There's about four or 500 people there. This is the first time I ever got to play sports in front of fans. And my mom and dad are there. And so we're, we're, in, the, we're in the pre-game skate, and then we go into the locker room before the opening face-off. And we had a member on our team who had backslid out of the church in high school he became a superstar hockey player he played in the 72 Olympics and won the silver medal his name was Frank Sanders and played 3 years professionally for the Minnesota Fighting Saints the now defunct WHA but he played in my hometown he got convicted god got a hold of his heart he'd been called to preach since he was about 10 years old he hung up the skates he gave his heart to god He came and went to Bible school, was in my class, even though he was eight years older than me. He was married, had a couple kids. And uh, man, he was my hero growing up. My claim to fame with my friends. In fact, I talked about Fritz Sanders so much in junior high and high school, they called me Fritz. (laughs) Shows you how much of a life I had, but anyway. So it's my birthday, I'm 21. I'm gonna play this tournament. And my mom and dad are there. I can't believe it. And so we're in the locker room, pregame, pep talk. Frank's, Fritz Sanders goes, I want you to be mobile, agile, and hostile. And man, he fired us up. We were ready to go bear hunting with a stick. I mean, we're ready to go. And And right at the opening, oh, and in the locker room just before, there was... There still is a hockey team called the Montreal Canadiens. And they were probably the best team. The perennial would go to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And they had a superstar player named Guy Lafleur. How's my French? Jennifer. All right. Guy Lafleur. He was superstar before Wayne Gretzky was ever heard of. And my best friend, Norm Pasley, gave me this jersey on my 21st birthday instead of Lafleur. He put, La Stan. <laughs> I'm telling you, I put this hockey sweater on the opening face-off. You can't make this stuff up. I'm the left wing. My buddy, Craig Sawyer, is the center. He gets the face-off, hits me going full speed down the slot. I split the defense. The goalie's poised to shut me out. I rip a wrist shot right over his right shoulder. Hits the back of the net. Lights the lamp. And it's one to nothing already. Woo! And I come flying around. I come flying around the the goal. And I look up. And my dad's going. He's up on his feet. All right, stand! And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about right there. That was like 15 years of frustration. My parents never coming to watch me do anything. And I said all that to say, and I sort of got into that. (laughs) I still love to walk in a hockey rink and smell the ice. But I said all that to say they were there. It means something when someone's there for you. If you've ever buried a loved one, like the dryers are going to on Tuesday, you remember the people who come. They may not have a great speech, wonderful present. Their presence is enough because they were there. There's power in your presence, just being there in those special moments. And I thank God that he is there. He's with us. Psalm 46, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present. Everybody say present. Present. That means he's here. He's here now. Verse 4, there's a river whose streams shall make glad the city of our God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. Verse 5, God is in the midst of her. And let me tell you why he's in the midst of his tabernacle, because that's where the people of God gather. Now, we know that God is everywhere, all places, at all times. He can't go anywhere to get anywhere. He's already there. Okay? And when we leave, he doesn't leave. He's still here, but he goes with us. And the reason he's in this house today so powerfully the way he is is because we brought him with us because he is God with us. And I'm going to tell you, there's only something better than God with us, and that's in us. (laughs) He's not just with us. He's in us. Paul said, Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. I want to maybe walk in your life and rewrite your theology. Some of you have a theological bent that God is not for you. Some of you have this idea that you sort of have to coax God and butter him up and, you know, talk him into it and, you know, be Mr. Goody or Mrs. Goody two shoes. And, you know, maybe you'll get a, you know, a biscuit or something from God along the way. Can I tell you that, 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 that's not the God of the Bible. I want to, I want to alter somebody's theological bent. You got something wrong somewhere thinking that God is a cyclops with one eye in the middle of his head and dragging one foot behind the other. He's got a knotty pine uh, pine, uh, club, and he's just ready for you to make a mistake. And he's just ready for you to to blow it like you know you do every once in a while. And when he does, he's going to let you have it. Can I tell you, that imagery is nowhere to be found in the scripture. (laughs) If you want to get a real image of God, go to Luke chapter 15 and the prodigal son. The father was watching. He was looking. He was waiting. The son couldn't earn it. The son didn't deserve it. The son spent his money on wine and women and riotous living. And when the moment the father saw him, he went tearing after him. He went running and he threw his arms around him. That's the imagery of God. That's how he's with us. That's the kind of a God that's with us today. He's looking for a reason to forgive you today. Amen. And the reason is his shed blood on the cross. Let's thank him for it right now. Thank you, Jesus. Paul said in Romans eight thirty one, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us. Not only is he with us, he's for us. Turn to somebody else say he's for us. Now, if you're Joseph, your life just got messed up. Sometimes we have our lives all planned out. How many of you are planners? Yeah. And I'll tell you something, if God, when God shows up, he'll probably mess it up. <laughs> it's, it's a gift. <laughs> he just, he can mess up your life, but he messes it up so good. Joseph had his life planned out. I'm engaged. I have a trade. I have a successful business. I have a good name in the community. See that little Mary? She's my gal. I'm going to marry her up. We're going to raise a family right here in Nazareth. It's going to be amazing. Suddenly, God is there. And he messes up his plans. But God didn't just want Mary. He wanted Joseph too. Joseph wasn't an afterthought. He, he needed Joseph. He needed Mary to have a Joseph. And they needed to be engaged before they had come together as husband and wife. And, 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 and God wanted Joseph because he had a Mary and God wanted Mary because she had a Joseph. And Mary and Joseph were a package deal. I want to say something to a member of a family today. I really feel this from the Lord that, you know, your family's got plans. Parents, we've got things worked out for our kids. Sometimes God calls our children to do something special. Sometimes we don't know what to do with it. It's not what I had in mind. It's not what I wanted. And, but can I tell you that if God calls your husband or your wife or your children or your parents, that you're a part of that calling. Don't, don't, don't discount it. Don't say, well, God sure wasn't thinking about me you know I think about my parents once again you know we were raised in the home of ministers my dad was never a pastor but he was an educator and he trained thousands of students to go take the gospel around the world and they had four children Gary Pat Pam Stan Gary and Stan became preachers called pastors And Pat and Pam married young men who were also called to the ministry. And they were pastors. And by the time we were in our young 20s, all of us were gone. You talk about empty nest. I mean, gone. Called to other places. Called to serve other places. And I've often thought, you know, how did my my mom and dad manage that? How did they you know what i don't think they were crying in their suds i don't think they were upset about that i think they're celebrating I think they're a part of the call. You know, dad couldn't blame anybody but himself. Who's God going to pick except for four kids that have been raised in a home where there's prayer and raised in a home where there's ministry and raised in a home where you put other people first. And raised in a home where there's Bible reading and and Bible stories and, and talking about the kingdom of God and and he had nobody to blame but himself. I don't think my dad was saying, well, God, you know, what do you do? You took my kids and ran them off, and they're outreaching the world. And No, 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 no. They're clapping and cheering. I'll see them on Christmas. I'll see them at a general conference somewhere. We'll celebrate, and that's pretty much how we lived our lives. So I'm here to tell you if there's a Joseph in the house, God may call Mary, but he needs you to help her. He needs you to come alongside her. God may have something special for somebody in your life, but God is with us he's not just with Mary he's with Mary and Joseph and we can't have Mary's story without Joseph does that make sense amen God was breaking in God was breaking in to this world like he never had before and I'm going to tell you God knows how to break in Will you let him? God was doing a new thing that had never been done before. Nobody had ever been with a child of the Holy Spirit. This was something new. This was something different. And God wants to break in. If Christmas reminds us of anything it should remind us that God is always looking for people to, to do amazing things. Before Joseph understood what was going on, he was about ready to check out. He was ready to put Mary away. That means divorce her, even though they weren't officially married in those days. If you were engaged, it was as good as married, except they did not have the ceremony and they were not living as husband and wife. But he did not sign up for what was happening. And I want to say to somebody today, just because you don't understand it and what's going on, it doesn't mean that God is not in it. Just because you can't figure it out, it doesn't mean that God is not orchestrating it. In fact, I'll take it one step further and say, If you got it all figured out, it's probably not God. (laughs) Isaiah said his name shall be called Wonderful. Everybody say wonderful. Wonderful. You know, the root word of Wonderful is wonder. Wonder in awe. Are you in awe of God? Are you in awe of his mind? Only from the mind of Minolta? Forget it. Oh, that's such an old commercial that didn't even connect. (laughs) The mind of God? The Bible, Paul said, who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? David said, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you would visit him? You will never figure God out. In fact, the day you figure God out is the day you've made a God with your own hands. I don't ever want to get to the day where I've got God figured out. If God wants to break in and do a new thing, woe be it to me from stopping him. I want to be in awe of God. Amen. The Bible, Isaiah said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. And I'm going to tell you something. You don't know it all, but there's a God in heaven who knows it all. He holds all the world in his hands. He's got it figured out. All he wants you to do is trust him. And I don't want to serve a God that I know what he's up to all the time. I don't want to serve a God where I've got him figured out. I want to be in awe. I want him to keep me guessing. I want to wake up tomorrow morning and say, God, what's going to happen today? What's going on today? What plans do you have in mind? I'm throwing my plans away and I want to follow your plans. Oh, yeah. Amen. Praise God. And in this message to Joseph. God keeps it simple for Joseph. You know, the angels like Joseph. I just need a two-digit IQ here. (laughs) Keep this simple. Uh, You got one job. Don't you love those memes and those videos? You got one job. People that are blowing their one job don't figure it out. You got one job, Joseph. Call his name Jesus. Keep doing what you're doing, Joseph. Stay engaged. Date her. Protect her. Provide for her. Love her. Oh, one more thing. I need you to make an announcement. I need you to make an announcement that Moses wanted to make when he said, who shall I say has sent me? And all I could say is I am. And I need you to make an announcement that Isaiah was trembling one day in prayer. Maybe it was the day that he wrote Isaiah 28, 11 with stammering lips in another tongue. I have sort of wondered if Isaiah got in the presence of God and his lips were stammering, Brother Nix, but he couldn't break through to the Holy Spirit yet because John 7 says that the Holy Spirit was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified but but Isaiah saw something. His name shall be called Wonderful. Oh, this is good. Come on, Jesus. Come on, God. Counselor. Oh, that sounds good. The Mighty God. Now he's getting warmer. Now he's getting warmer. This baby shall be called the Mighty God. Come on, bring it on What's the name? The angels want to look into it. The prophets want to look into it. The everlasting father, he said, wait a minute. This baby's the mighty God. Yes, this baby, this child that's going to be born in Bethlehem. Yes, he is the everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. But as close as Isaiah got to the revelation of God's name, he didn't even get it all the way. It wasn't time. I'm holding that for you, Joseph. I'm reserving that. For a carpenter, not a rabbi, not the high priest, not some theologian. I just need a common man, a faithful man. I need Mary's espoused husband to make this very special announcement. Can I tell you today that the name of Jesus as God's name? is the greatest revelation that has ever broke into this world. For 4,000 years, the Old Testament was quaking and shaking and ready, and it's it's a carpenter who says at the birth of Jesus, perhaps on the eighth day when he's taken to the temple and he's circumcised and his name is presented, his name shall be called Say it with me. His name is, God's name is not Allah. That's not an alternative name for God. God's name is not Shiva. His name is not Vishnu. God's name is not Baal. Or Kimosh. Or Dagon. Or Diana. Or Yahshua? No. God's name is not even Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. There is only one God. Isaiah said, he's the mighty God. He said, that baby is the mighty God. The everlasting Father. And his name is Jesus. That's the greatest revelation. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Are you glad you know God's name today? Are you glad that he broke in and he's doing something new and something real and something relevant? His name is Jesus. I wish I had the pictures to show you 1993. My wife and I went to India. I've rehearsed this story before but I have to tell it again we flew traveled 25 hours we drove five hours across five mountains that's what they called them probably like Ozark Hills and we get to this little village of 1500 people we stayed in a $1.50 a night hotel and uh, the uh, geico geckos were running all over the walls and that's when the princess became the queen And we didn't hardly sleep a wink for a week. And we ate out of our suitcase. We were so ridiculously paranoid. But it was our first rodeo, first time out of the country. And our host, Steepy Thomas, he goes, Pastor, you want to go preach to tribal people? I said, what do you mean, the tribal people? He said, oh, illegal to evangelize tribals. Uh, They offering human sacrifice. You want to go preach the tribals? (laughs) Well. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So we drove an hour and a half and about the last 30 minutes was off road. I literally remember driving in this bumpy Jeep and, and foliage and stuff from the jungle is like whipping us as we're driving by. It's an open air Jeep and, We come into this clearing. It was about the size of this sanctuary. And there were uh, huts, uh, mud brick huts, thatched grass roofs, something right out of National Geographic. These people didn't hardly have a tooth in their head. They didn't know their birthday. They didn't know how old they were. They were illiterate. And... Their babies were dying. The mortality rate was super high. Their crops were failing. And CP had been there a few weeks earlier, and he saw a 14-year-old girl whose neck had been slit and her blood had been shed. And he asked the king, his name was uh, Rajan, why did you kill the girl? He said, for remission of sins. We saw the altar and the bloodstains where the girl was. And the police had actually asked CP Thomas. They knew he had a ministry. Say, can you help us stop the human sacrifice? We don't know how to stop it. And so, in this setting, I'm thinking, what am I going to say to these, forgive me, heathens that God loves? And so, I simply gave them the message from Hebrews there's no more sacrifice for sin. There's a Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. As I was giving that simple message that day, I looked at King Roger, and he began to weep. His heart was changed. A few days later, C.P. Thomas came back, baptized him, and when the king gets baptized, everybody else gets baptized. I sort of like kingdoms like that. Yeah, whatever the king, oh, you all be baptized. (laughs) What are you going to (laughs) say? So the whole tribe gets baptized in the name of Jesus, And watch this. The crops started springing up. The babies stopped dying and started living. Why? Because the devil got kicked out of the tribe. Jesus said the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. He said, but I have come that you might have life and more abundantly. What happens when Jesus comes on the scene? What happens when the power of God begins to move? There is a turnaround. There's a shaking. Then God brings life where there is death. That's the kind of God we're serving at Christmas time. And God can stop the madness and 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 the insanity and the darkness in your life today. That's why he's here. That's the message of Christmas. Is to take that which was dead and make it alive. Can you say amen? amen. Everybody say God with, us. God with us. So I bring the message to a close. Emmanuel does not mean God with you. It means God with us. I'm so glad about that. You see, because I can't find God all by myself. You know, in the Old Testament, someone asked the question, Where is the shepherd? And you know what the answer was? Follow the flock. The answer was not follow the sheep, follow that sheep, follow that sheep. No, follow the flock. Look for the hoof prints in the ground where the flock is. Don't follow wayward sheep, follow the flock. Because if you're looking for the shepherd, he's with the flock. The reason that Emmanuel does not mean God with me is because I'm not enough alone for you to find God. I'm not enough of the imagery of God. I'm not enough of the grace of God. I'm not enough of the mercy of God. I'm not enough of the word of God to find for you to find God. But if you can just get with the flock. Praise God. I'm among the flock today. The psalmist said, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. You'll never find God all by yourself. You need the flock to find the shepherd. Because you help me, Nicole. You help me find Jesus. David, you help me find Jesus. Cameron, you help me find Jesus. I can't present all there is, but we can. Because together we're the body of Christ. Come on, we're the body of Christ. Praise God. If, a, if we're the body of Christ and the body has a head. And the head is the Lord Jesus Christ. I need you. To help me find God. And you need me. This is why he's God. God. How many times have you come to the house of God and you just needed God? You weren't really strong enough to worship. You were perplexed. You're confused. You're messed up. Your life is upside down. You just needed to get among the us. (laughs) I feel that. I feel the strength, the unity, the energy of the body of Christ. Would you stand with me? Last Sunday, Pastor Justin preached a great message on the peace of God. and You know, uh, forgive me, Chuck, but Chuck was baptized last Sunday, and Chuck's been a believer for a long time. And uh, my nephew Jeremy rented some space, parked his fifth wheel on Chuck 's land, South Kansas City, and uh, Jeremy told Chuck about the life church and then I met Chuck and Chuck asked me if I would disciple him that's such an honor to spend time talk about the Lord first disciple I 've ever had that showed up with two two pages of questions. I'm like, this guy's for real. He's serious. He wants to know. And then Pastor Justin, spending time with him, and we were over here a week ago Friday, and here's what Chuck said. He said, Pastor, I baptized one time already, but I don't think it was in the name of Jesus. He said, but now I realize that All baptisms occurred in the scripture in the name of Jesus Christ. Because that's where the authority is. That's where the power is. The authority is in the name. He said, I'm going to be baptized soon. I said, that's great, Chuck. He got in his car. I got in my car. We drove off. Five minutes later, I get a call. Pastor, I need to be baptized this Sunday. (laughs) What is that? That's the us. That's the us. I see folks here today from Celebrate Recovery. What's going on? Celebrate Recovery is a Thursday night ministry that's impacting people around this city. Paul, God's giving us traction and God's using it, but they come here today. Why? Because they want to be among the us. It's God with us to be a part of something bigger, something greater. That's so exciting. And so, whatever God is calling you to do, whatever He's dealing with you about, you're among the us. James said at the first conference in the church in Acts chapter 15, he said, It seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. I'm among the us today, the body of Christ. Would you close your eyes? Would you lift your hands? Would you open your mouth? And just say, Lord, thank you for being with us. You're here. Would you let him be here right now for you? Would you let him be here? Come on, let him be here for you right now. Are you perplexed about your future? Is God breaking in to your now? Is everything upset? Is everything upside down? Maybe God's in doing this. Maybe God's using this. Come on, receive a message at Christmas time. Don't miss Christmas. Don't miss Christmas. God's breaking in today. Lord, I want to say thank you for the Life Church and every person that's in this house today. No matter who we are, where we've come from, we're together, Lord. And you're God with us. You're God with us. You're God with us, Lord. I found you in a church, I found you, Lord, at an altar. I still remember at the age of seven when you touched me for the first time, but I couldn't do that by myself. It took a preaching. It took a pastor. It it took, Lord, worshipers. It took intercessors for me to find you, Lord. Let somebody find you today. Be God with us today, Lord. Be God with us. Come on. I wish somebody would lift your hands and open your mouth and, and reach out to God and cry out to God. Do you need him on the scene? Do you need him to step in? Do you need him to break in today? Just let him break in. Let him break in right now. Let him break into your life. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to tell you what. I know he's here. When you've got four and five and six and seven and eight-year-olds up here during the worship service and God's blessing them and filling them with the Holy Ghost, God's breaking in. He's breaking in. He loves children. I I know he's here. I know he's here. I know he's here. I know he's here. Do you need the strength of the church today? Do you need the strength of other believers? Then I want you to come forward if you're feeling a little bit vulnerable right now. If you're feeling just a little bit, maybe alone, let's say. We've all been there. Just come on. Come on up here. Let the church minister to you today. Good. Come on. Just feeling a little, a little isolated. And you just need somebody to lay a shoulder on your hand, or a hand on your shoulder, and pray a prayer of blessing. Come on, anybody else? Anybody else feeling a little lonely today at Christmas time? A little bit left out? Maybe your family's not what you hoped it would be or thought it would be. Come on, come on up here. Come on, this is vul- this is being vulnerable right now. That's good. Come on. Come on, that's it. Come on, praise God. Oh, He's God with us. Come on, praise God. God bless these widows. God bless the orphans. God bless the strangers. Come on, anybody else feeling a little, just a little vulnerable right now? Come on. Could I get some of the body of Christ to come up around these, come up behind them? Just put a hand on their shoulder. Let's minister right now. Let's pray with one another. Come on, let's encourage each other right now. In the name of the Lord, I come against loneliness. In the name of the Lord, I come against the lies of the enemy. In the name of the Lord, you will never leave us nor forsake us. Keep coming because there's folks coming behind you. There's folks trying to get forward that are coming behind you. Just come on. That's it. Let's just have a prayer meeting right now. Come on, let's pray. Families with families, husbands with wives, wives with husbands, parents with children. We never leave the light church without an altar call. Without a chance to pray with each other and for each other.